0: You are now listening to Raise the W, recorded at the School of Communication inside the Hickey Audio Lab on the beautiful campus of Western Michigan University. Come aboard and hear the people, stories and impact of Western Michigan University. Here's your host, Tim Tarantine. Hello everyone and welcome to Raise the W, the podcast where we celebrate all things Western Michigan University. I am stoked today, cause not only do I have one of the smartest human beings we have on this campus, but I have a friend And a committed Bronco. Dr. Erica Carr uh, runs our pre-college planning. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm good. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to you today.
0: Welcome on the podcast. I I want to pre-college is something I think that is a huge topic in higher ed today. It's how do we prepare students for the higher ed environment. But before we get into that very hot topic, let's get into the most hot topic, which is how did Erica Carr choose Western? What's your Broncos story? How'd you get to this university, and kind of what it, what happened with that?
1: Okay, well, um, initially I was from bigger cities, California and Arizona, and uh, in bigger cities than Kalamazoo. But my parents moved to Michigan, and I was in Chelsea, which is a pretty small high school. Yeah.
0: So you went to big cities, to yeah. Chelsea, Michigan.
1: <laughs> yeah, Woo. so um, I really, I'm first gen, and my parents, wow my parents didn't have um, any college savings for me to go to school so I, I was actually in high academic standing I graduated eighth in my class and I really wanted to go to uh, more of an elite school but uh, Western was affordable and far away enough from my parents um, and I visited many schools actually in Michigan, mm-hmm. but the best financial package, um, as well as the, the campus that I actually felt the most comfortable at was Western. Mm-hmm. I visited Hillsdale yeah. and um, I really didn't feel like I fit in there. I remember Clarence Thomas was speaking the day that I went to visit <laughs> and everybody was dressed up. All the, the young um, women were in dresses and all the men were in suits. And I, I don't. Really, I didn't even have dress clothes like that, so I was super uncomfortable. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So Western was a place that I felt um, a little bit like at home when I first came. So.
0: Yeah, and when you came for your undergrad, what uh, what was your major? What were you seeking in terms of a degree?
1: So, I, I did start off as undecided, but I actually knew I wanted to do either aviation or um, psychology, and by the end of my freshman year, I chose psychology. So, I, um, I transferred over to that, and I, I finished uh, an undergrad in psychology with a minor in English, and then I did follow that up um, with my master's in counseling ed with an emphasis in counseling and higher education. Mm. And just as a backstory, before I started, well, while I was working on my doctorate, I actually did um, work on my private pilot's license here at Western also, but I didn't finish. But I do right. have 55 flight hours, and I did solo three times.
0: How, how many do you need <laughs> to be a pilot?
1: You need 55, but and I and I did solo three, but I, I'm missing a one night solo and a couple night landings. So are you going to do it? I should, but as some years have passed now, so I would have to um, even do even more hours, and it's super expensive, yeah. super,
0: super yeah. expensive.
1: But I, it's a shame because I invested a lot of money. <laughs> i got to bring you back money.
0: your <laughs> AVA. I, I would so pay to see you fly a plane. That would be that Yeah, would be hopefully
1: amazing. you'd survive it.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, that's what I'd be hoping for, yeah. sure thing. Um, okay, so you've you gone through your bachelor's, master's, and PhD here at mm-hmm. Western. Through that time, you've worked in various programs helping students with both access, with helping their performance, helping them get acclimated uh, here to campus. Now you're working in pre-college. How how did you make that transition and why? What was it about students getting ready for college that, that lightened your leadership?
1: Well, I always ha- have had an interest in access, I think because of my own experiences being a first-generation college student. And a lot of first-generation college students, their parents want them to go to college. My parents, because my dad made a fairly successful living off a, um, he's an airline mechanic, so he, mm. he's a blue-collar worker, sure. um, he made a, a, a you know, we, we survived well, we were well enough off, so... Um, he viewed that as enough. Um, they didn't necessarily value education like I know a lot of other first generation families do. So they never quite understood my drive or interest in it. Yeah. And they have a little bit of a, uh, they don't feel comfortable always connected to this environment because it's not something they came from. Sure. So I felt that experience when I was in my undergrad and I. I think I always had that in the back of my mind. My first professional job was in an access-based program. It was the McNair Scholars Program, which um, it did help college students get their doctorate and is a large part of why I decided to pursue my doctorate at Western as well while I was working full-time. And I was in that program for a couple years before I transferred Mm -hmm. over into the pre-college area. So I've been 18-plus years of pre-college experience, and I think that is my heart and my passion is to help kids, help young people understand that they too can go to college even if they don't see all the opportunities that might be there or all yeah. the pathways to get there. And
0: it can happen. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you think are the major challenges? 2018, uh, this environment for young people is just tough. There's so much coming at them every day. What are the major barriers to success in the transition from pre-college to at the higher ed environment what you, what are what are the barriers you're constantly trying to help students navigate
1: um, you know, I don't want to take out financial as being a very critical piece because finances do come into play, especially yeah. nowadays. I remember when I was in school, loans would cover students that yeah. were low income, and now that is not the case. Right. Um, families that are low income have to come in sometimes with up to $2,000 a semester, and that's almost impossible. I, I know I wouldn't even have that now, so I know that that's a barrier. But I want to add that the social-emotional piece for students is a big piece. Our, our young people are dealing with a lot in their K-12 through 12 experiences, and to be kind of thrust into the college environment and not have the support that they need in the environment, maybe the, the higher education system's not quite set up for. I'll just say that historically higher education was never meant for everyone. It really was for, you know, historically really white males in the beginning. And then even after that, it's always been for the more elite group. Um, Even as it's opened up its doors more and more. Hmm. So.
0: So this idea of access in a lot of ways is counter to the structure of higher education. Is that what you're saying? Yes,
1: yes, I would definitely say that. And um, there's a feeling in higher ed as we wants more students to enroll here, that, yes, let's open our doors, let's make ourselves more accessible. But then when students come here, that environment's not always conducive to support them and them to continue to really be successful here.
0: Well, that's, you know, access is an ongoing topic in higher education, right? Because we know that students who don't come as prepared, it takes work. Yeah. It takes resources. It takes, and and we, I believe, you know, it's my opinion, I'm not in academic affairs, but I would tell you that I believe there is a responsibility that public universities have to serve the sons and daughters of the state.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, Regardless of their economic background. And so while most universities are trending toward serving students who would have already made it,
1: yeah.
0: Western continues to be committed. uh, And I think that puts your work, at at a real crossroads in higher ed conversations yeah yeah
1: and i i would say that you know one one really good thing about western is we are on the forefront i feel of pre-college programs because uh they did create this office we're almost two years old now a lot of this is the trend to create a pre-college office the one i similar to the one I oversee now, where there can be sort of an overarching body that helps all the outreach that's done on campus, because we probably have over 400 outreach efforts to youth by all the various faculty and staff going on. So if you have one office that can help coordinate that, provide some direction um, and best practices in, in terms of policy and procedure, it It helps everything and can keep the access piece in mind, which is something that I know I try to do. So like, for example, all the summer camps we have, they um, most of them cost because I don't
0: think a lot of the people on this podcast even know (laughs) Western has summer camps that aren't athletic. Yes. Right. Talk more about those camps. And,
1: and if whatsoever. you go to the admissions website, you can click on a link um, to That's the w- summer
0: camps. That's slash admissions
1: slash pre-college. Pre-college. Wmich.edu go go
0: slash pre-college. Yes. Yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> you good. can
1: also go to the Office of Pre-college Programming and there is a link right on our main website to hit summer camps. You can get to it that way yeah. as well. But, um There's a bunch of various summer camp programs for all different um, age groups um, throughout the summer, and that list of camps is up now. You can click on the various links, and it'll tell you how to apply and the costs involved. So a lot of times there's costs associated to those camps, and one of the things I always encourage programs to do is to have a scholarship component for students that might not be able to afford the opportunity. So sometimes... um, faculty and staff that are developing those programs don't always think about even that hundred dollars a hundred fifty and we have camps that are up to two thousand dollars Um, for example the college of aviation runs a camp a wonderful camp where students get the opportunity to fly it's very costly for the school to run in, so it does cost to participate in that program. But they um, incorporate scholarships in, wow. their, in their program yeah. as well. So if we can always keep that in mind, I think that helps access issues too. Because that's the thing, we want to expose youth to college now, but even some of those summer camp opportunities have historically been for a more affluent families. So that helps with access if we can yeah. expose students younger. So.
0: Sure. So at the end of the day, how do you know if you've been successful in your work like when you when you're done with this pre-college work and and and, you know you you probably aren't going to do this work forever you're going to be here for a long time but my point is how do you measure your success
1: well that is very difficult and a question to answer and sometimes there are days when i feel like I've done something, maybe um, a student that went through our program and we have several he, that are here now. They're here at Western and th- I knew them from when they were in sixth grade and I know their families and I know some of the struggles they went through and they're doing so well. Those, you know, moments help me feel like what we're doing counts. There are other days when I feel like there's so many barriers that are there to overcome that I, I wonder, am I making enough of a difference in terms of measurable outcomes, one of the things our office is putting up at the forefront is research and evaluation because in order to prove our salt to everyone, I do feel that we need to produce reportable outcomes that people can see. So I do, we do try to do that as well.
0: Good. Yeah. Awesome. What, what, in what ways can Bronco nation help pre-college? Because we've got, you know, just in West Michigan alone, there's probably close to 40,000 alumnus. So how can the extended Bronco community help you accomplish your goal?
1: I think there's a, a great role with alumni connecting to our youth outreach programs because I know a lot of the programs want to bring alumni in and community members in that have jobs or are in the field that these young people are getting exposure to. So if we can do more to connect to that community, I think it'll only strengthen um, the opportunities that that youth have to really see what they want to do in a practical sense instead of just going to this higher education institute. But what will they actually be doing when they, they leave? So
0: and and what's at the end of all that? What's life like?
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: And, and creating that vision for people. That's that's amazing work you're doing. I, I really think that our pre-college work is a way that we not only stay competitive, but as the demographic of students entering higher ed continues to shift.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you're helping us stay prepared. And that's huge.
1: I hope so. That's <laughs> huge for Western's future. Well,
0: <laughs> we are all we all have faith that what we're doing yeah. is the right thing. For our future, and I think uh, we will find, and hopefully future generations will find, that this work is is exactly what we were, should have been doing. Yeah. 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 Well, anything else you want to share with folks about pre college things we need to remember or know, or action steps you'd like us to take?
1: Um, just if you have youth that are interested in um, in pre college, you can always contact our office if they're. Not just for summer, but if they're if you have young people that are interested in connecting to pre college opportunities, they can contact our office and we can help get them connected to a program that would be the best fit for them. And then, other than that, um, not at this time. But I appreciate the opportunity to come here and talk to
0: you. Yeah. Awesome. Dr. Carr, you've been great. Thank you so much for all the work you've done for Western and for our students and what you're doing now uh, for our future Broncos. And as they come aboard, uh, the support of your office and others is why I think so many of our students are able to matriculate well. If you want to learn more about Dr. Carr and the work she's doing in the Office of Pre-College Planning, then please go to mywmu.com slash raisethew, and we'll have links to all the sites that apply summer camps or for outreach programs that are going on in pre-college. You can also learn about all the rest of the stories uh, that we've talked about here on this podcast. If you're out and about today talking to friends, family, or people you don't even like, tell them about Western Michigan University. Tell them about our grit. Tell them about our students. Tell them about how we are making a difference. And if you do that, you'll help us all to raise the W. (laughs)